Florida Man Friday. You can't yeah, make, make this, this shit up. up. <laughs> All right, welcome back to So Funny It Hurts. I'm your host, Michaela Gordon. And this week we have such an incredibly special guest. We have been going hard together in our comedy partnership since the pandemic, but you know him from the Howard Stern show, Jimmy Kimmel, and he's my dear friend and the one and only Trump himself, John D. Domenico. Hello, sweetie. You look tremendous. Always, always. Thank you for having me. Thank you for I'm joining honored. me. You've had such an amazing lineup of guests. Thank you. Well, I used their following, and now I can finally just have my real <laughs> friends on. <laughs> I can have my best friends back on. Um, I'm so happy that you are here with me. me it always feels like I, home. I, you know I adore you, so that's not a secret. But you and I having one-on-one -on -one time really doesn't exist. We're either in character yeah creating working or it's a party and we're just you know or you're performing it's it's just, yeah. yeah you know so this is nice this is nice this is very nice very i know i'm nice. so happy that very you came nice. um because obviously so funny it hurts is all about interviewing my favorite funny people and then exploring the trauma <laughs> you're so screwed up and then why you're fucked up <laughs> and i want to know about it today john <laughs> Be honest. Um, but we do. We have such great rapport. I think that's what's so nice about our friendship, too. We're very funny together, but we've had a lot of heart-to-hearts. We really, I feel like I grew up with you a lot mm. since we started working together. I mean, working in the pandemic was wild. If, yeah. For the people that don't know, we blew up in the pandemic. Yeah, we, we, we did. One of, the big, one of my biggest, two of my biggest TikToks are with you. They're like 65 million, 57 million, and it's you skipping away. Um, from, you know, from the White House, it was very, very funny. We, had, you know, we have great chemistry. From the moment I met you, I still remember meeting you at Town Square. Michelle and said, "You two need to get together." It's my, oh my fiance, God, that's right. and we did a quick improv. And she, you know, was shooting it on her iPhone, and I did a bit and talking to you as Melania, and you got tired of me and you just walked away. <laughs> And I was like, that's so Melania, just not to put up with it and walk away from Trump. And it was so, because you get to see in the shot, because you were also conscious of the shot, because you're such a great actress, <laughs> comedian, you're just walking away Go on. in shot. It was just so great. It was so funny. Yeah, we have yeah. a good time. I yeah. know. You know, it was so great because for those that don't know, we... Um, we did the Trump and Melania. We met for the off-Broadway show, the Trump Family Special, right. which is a great production that was put on uh, in 2016 by wonderful, yeah. by wonderful people. I played Melania. You yeah. were Trump. Right. And that's how we met in character. And then in the pandemic, it was wild. TikTok was like such a thing that nobody understood. Uh, I had just lost my grandma. Everyone was kind of just doing whatever they could to survive. And it was your fiance that called me. And I always give Michelle credit for this, the Jewish queen. The Jewish uh, and queen. she the said, tribal, we're doing TikTok. Come do TikTok with us. And I was yeah. like, I don't know what that means. And she's like, she come on. She dragged me on the TikTok. She dragged us dragged, on to TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And now you have 6 million followers. Right. On TikTok. Right. Is that crazy to you? You have 6 million people but that are But they're all interested. in Vietnam and they don't speak English. That's the only problem. <laughs> They write, we love you, Papa. We love you, Father. Uh, oh. We love you. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm half kidding. Um, but when we did our last live, <laughs> the number one city in the world that was watching us was Phnom Penh, Vietnam. I'm not kidding about that. Uh, we have a lot of followers in Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Russia. Stop. Uh, yeah. So and when, they I'm, just love when Trump. I'm on, they listen. They listen to me. They listen. <laughs> it is kind of funny. But a lot of them were right. Uh, we love you, Papa. We love you, Father. We and I'm thinking, like, do they think I'm Stalin? Like, what, <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, so, they think you're Trump. Yeah. But we're we're trying to do we're doing more lives. We're getting a bigger US audience and you know, people that we can you know, the stuff that worked for you and I was very silly stuff. It yeah. was silent movie, cartoon fun, me spraying you with the money gun, millions yeah. and millions of views while you danced around. They absolutely love that. So I'm trying to do stuff where it's more verbal. Well <laughs> you that's do what I do. I love you. Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> Um, but you do all different types of, of impersonations. Yeah, and all different types of comedy. I do the long Everything. form and the short form. And yeah, so I try to just break it up because I get very bored and restless. And, yeah. You know. 
And well, lots so of characters. And- I want you to do some of your impressions later because you sure. do the best. You're the best. Thank you. But you're from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which I love. My family's from Philadelphia. Yeah. That bonded us as well. Right. Eagles fans through and through. You yeah. know where your Eagles ball cap I don't know what happened there, yeah. but so happy. Slipped and we're Los Angeles Dodgers. So. What were you thinking? <laughs> but yeah. you, uh, you're a funny guy. Back Thank East you. Italian. Yeah. So how did it be that you became so funny and made it like an entire career because your career is amazing me aside i've been very lucky you've I'm not been lucky. lucky you're a hustler i mean you yeah, i am a hustler ass i do off. yeah there's yeah i'm really good at the business side too so i'm really conscious of that and tried to build um an infrastructure so i'm always working you know that was really important I didn't and you it, do it didn't occur to me until i was a couple like a decade in like Hmm, this is very precarious yeah. as an actor, yeah. you know, but when I was a kid, I just, you know, I had a very terrible, terrible childhood and, uh, but I knew I loved comedy and I, the most amazing thing to me was, and uh, you know, it was a different, I'm older, but you know, it was, it was Ed Sullivan and Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin yeah. and they had a lot of comedians on, which I loved. I loved the relief. Even as a kid, I was probably laughing at stuff that was over my head, but it was just so nice to laugh because it was, you know, my house was a lot of tension in my home growing up. But the thing that I was amazed by were impressions because I had a severe speech impediment. Which, no way. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I um, I was in speech therapy for eight years to correct my speech and ther- uh, my speech impediment, which pops up sometimes when I'm just speaking as myself. What um, is it? It's like a stutter or no, a- no, not a stutter. Um, uh, everything in my mouth is too big. My tongue's too big. My adenoids are too big. My tonsils are too big, and, and I couldn't. Basically, I sounded like this when I was a kid. I sounded like Elmer Fudd. But when I did... Well, he made a whole career out of that mouth, so don't worry. (laughs) But when I did impressions, when I started... When my neighbors used to sit out, I grew up in a row home neighborhood, and my neighbors would sit out in the summer, and um, I would come out after watching Ed Sullivan, and and I'd go, now, right here in our show, the fabulous Garbaccio brothers, and Girl Scout Troop 625 (laughs) girls stand up and show us your cookies. And my neighbors would just laugh. I was five years old, five, six years oh old. Oh, my God. And, and I got a lot of affirmation from them because I wasn't. I was going to say the validation. Oh, it was, it was incredible because I wasn't getting it at home. So that was a big deal to me. And uh, when I got into, went to kindergarten, when I was in first grade, they diagnosed me with this. And they said, you know, they put me in this program. I was doing speech therapy for two times a week. The speech therapist and speech pathologist were very encouraged because I was able to do impressions. When I did the impressions, I didn't have the impediment. So they knew the left brain, right brain, uh, voluntary, involuntary speech was working properly. Mm -hmm. They just had to correct um, the involuntary speech, which is the way you and I speak all the time. That was the part that I would sound like death. Yeah. So, uh, but when I did the voices, voluntary speech, which triggers something, it's like when you sing and you do Melania's voice, it triggers another part of your brain. Totally. Yeah. And then, and we, we have the ability, at least I've come to find this with impressionists and singers for the most part, we can hear our own voice. That way we can modulate our voice. Most people cannot hear their own voice. And oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, mo- the way our heads, literally, because I've learned this through all the years, the way our heads are built, it insulates the sound. That's why when people hear their voices recorded, they're like, uh, I sound like that? Is that? So that's not like an insecurity. They really cannot they really hear their cannot own hear, voice. You cannot hear your own voice. Your own voice is actually muffled. You actually sound better to yourself than you actually sound. So, so it's, it's, but Thank we're, God I can hear it. I'm like, hello, everybody. Yeah, I know that I sound like well, that. Did, did you, if you hear recording back, you hear it. If you're on one of those weird delays on your, your phone and you hear yourself, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? You're like, there's that little twerp <laughs> behind the phone. <laughs> Who's in my phone? So, but, but I did all the speech therapy and it corrected it. And as I was in speech therapy for all those years and adding more impressions of, you know, Columbo and, you know, everybody I could pick up, I was learning through the speech therapist how to manipulate my voice for the correct speaking, right. tongue placement, nasal placement throat placement, actual vocal production, learning to speak here so my voice hits right here when I speak 
So all those things are like, well, wait a minute, if I can do this, then I can do that. And I can do this. I can. And that's how I could do more voices. Cause I had a mechanic, I had a schematic of how to do different voices. Right. So like when Austin Powers came along, baby, you know what I mean? I knew how to do that already, <laughs> you know, or if it was just an, uh, a, that was much later, but all through the years of, of growing up, you know, listening to Groucho, I love Groucho and I would listen to the way he spoke. Hello, I must be going. I came to say I cannot stay. I must be going. Amazing. I'm glad I came, but all the same, I must be going. <laughs> so, and I would, I would pick up all, all the voices that way. And it was, it was, it was so much fun for me to perform for people. And I'm sure you're the same way. When you were funny, people listened. And you got this affirmation yeah. and you lifted their spirits and you made their day. And oh my God, like, how can you do that? And when you're five and six and seven, eight, nine, it's 10 a big deal. years old, it's a big deal, especially when you're not getting it at home and your parents want to kill each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's a very stressful environment. And then you learn that you can use comedy to keep people from kicking your ass, you know, or at least save them off. Listen, I always say I switched schools a lot growing up mm. and we moved a lot growing up. There were so many things that we did. I had a crazy childhood, but the thing that always saved me was I was funny. So I could go into any situation right. that maybe others couldn't and I could make a lot of friends right. because I was funny and I wouldn't get my ass kicked and I wouldn't get bullied because I'd say a little zinger and they'd be like, is she... But where did they that, may where have did, also that I had mental challenges, but they were still nice to me. But where did that come from for you? Where did that like organically come out of? You just put two and two together. I think or? it goes. I don't. I think I went wherever the validation and love right. was. So being young, five six, same for me. Yeah. I just wanted love. Right. So if that's what got me love, I just did more of that. And like anything repetitive, I became good at it, and then that's how I would experience the thing that I needed. I mean, because if you think about it, being five and six and wanting love and validation is very primal. It's not like it's, it's very a crazy primal. thing yeah. that we're asking for. Yeah. And if you're not getting it, you either become very recluse or like a little, you know, like a little kid or, or you become very like extrovert. I've always right. said, I don't even know if I'm really that extroverted, but because of my survival ability, I am because I yeah. know how to go uh into a room and own it. That's what got me what I needed growing up. Right. Because I couldn't, you know, my mom had dealt with depression, a lot of those things. And she was kind of remote in a way. She was there and she was my best audience. But there wasn't a lot of um, what you would, there wasn't a lot of mothering there. Like nurturing. Nurturing. It wasn't nurturing. I entertained her. Right. You know, and that's how that, in the relation, the construct of the relationship was Kind of like that. Like I was her little entertainer. And my dad was, you know, World War II veteran, factory worker, you know, busted his ass, would be up at, you know, 5.15 in the morning, be at the factory until like five, come home, have dinner. He had very, he was, the, the guy was, you know, he was very tough and not non-emotional because he had serious anger issues. So you had to like walk. Like vulnerable. Yeah, he, just eggshells. Just, you, you do not want to set this guy off. So it was hard. So then I had to like, for him, I couldn't be funny, which he also saw as kind of a, a weird thing. You right. Know, you know what I mean? Right. The goofy, just stop, don't. Yeah, it was you know, weird to him. It was very weird to him. And my brother, Stephen, who was the athlete, he kind of responded to him. And I think our household was so stressful um, that we all, my brother, Michael, loved music. He wasn't a musician, but he, he got into all his musical stuff and Kiss and this thing and that thing. Stephen was more of the sports guy, and he got into that thing. And I was just loved my comedy. So that was my world. That was where we would each retreat to. And then try to find our individual tribes and, you know, once in seventh, eighth grade, you know, all those things that you try to do. You try to create a family if you don't have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a family. So yeah. what happened? What was the point that you said, I want to do this as a career? Because also, I mean, kudos to you having such a rigid by the book upbringing. Mm -hmm. Doing something like we look in 2023 and we see everyone on TikTok. Oh, we see these young kids, this I'd be generation. So far ahead right now. Yeah, it they can do insane. anything. But you really got to put yourself in this mental space of like 
that was not accepted. It wasn't nurtured. It wasn't honored. It wasn't loved. Thank God for your neighbors, which yeah. is a good testament for you never know what kind of validation you're giving somebody and how it'll play a part later on in their life. Yeah. You know, but what was the moment that you said, okay, I want to do this for a career? I knew like that very first time I got in front of an audience, I wanted to do it. And then all over, you know, I think it was around 13 or 14. I was like, I want to do, I want to be an actor. I want to be a kid. And that was the other thing. I wanted to be everything. I, I, and I was making films. My dad did buy a Super 8 camera uh, at one point, And we used to watch old Abbott and Costello movies on the projector. But um, I, we made movies. My brothers and I did a, a Rocky parody in 76 when the movie came out. I did a terror photo. I did a lot of stop animation. So I was making movies. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I wanted to be an actor. And that's tough, too, because I'm doing that now. I'm kind of the hyphenate I always wanted to be. Yeah. You know, I do everything. But now at that time, when you have zero connection, zero connection. And then conversely, I think I was... 11 or 12 when um, Marlo Thomas had a show called Free to Be You and Me and it came to the theater in Ambler where I'm actually, that's where I grew up in Ambler, Pennsylvania and I auditioned and I got a part in the show. It was one of the lead roles because the show is about all the children play the adult roles and all the adults oh, play I the children that. roles. And it's about being who you actually are. And it, it, it's a beautiful show. Probably, yeah. Probably be shut down now because. Canceled. You know, can't, yeah, Definitely you can't, getting you canceled. You can't express yourself. So, um, but the show was great and it ran for like a month. And, uh, and that was my first taste of doing a show. Yeah, and you, you were know? like, I love it here. Uh, yeah, this is great. I'm, I, I'm with this group of, there were kids my age and younger and a little older who all were performers. Like yeah, you the found circus, your tribe. Like the circus came to town. And then, and they were from all over and uh, all over like, you know, all the different counties. And then I wasn't prepared for this, but when the show ended, I had never had experienced anything. Oh, so you were gutted. I was gutted. Like that first night where I wasn't going to the theater, I I cried my eyes out for three days because these people had become my friends and my family, and I'd fall in love with a girl who was my age, and like I'll never see these people again. How old were you at this point? I think I was ten or eleven. I was eleven uh, or twelve. I was eleven or twelve. Did your father go see the play? Did your parents did. support I it? I think they saw that one. I remember when, he, you know, he was an interesting guy. He came to every football game. He came to every wrestling match. He came to that stuff. And later on, as I was doing more professional stuff, he was, he came to my shows. You know, he was supportive in another way. He, I just think he was so, I don't know, he was just a very angry, angry guy. Coming um, out of World War II, though, it really was. Like, the PTSD was unreal. Oh, I mean, there was, was so much going it, on It was totally on a it was totally unaddressed. Did you guys ever later on in life have a moment of peace that where Yeah, where like you... right before he died, he got pancreatic cancer and we knew he had about three weeks to live. And I said, I want to interview you. He got pancreatic cancer and then he was given three weeks to live. He was given was three fast? months and then well, not any better. Yeah, not much. But I, I really you know, I was, he was born in 1923. I was born in 1962. So there was a big age. I think when I was born, he was 40, 41. So he was kind of an older dad. He, it was his second family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I, I did interview him and he was very honest. He was very, very honest. And, um, he said some things that, uh, that really shook me to the core because it was what you were saying about he didn't he felt horrible about what happened in world war ii because he was in the pacific theater and it was very raw um he was with the people who built the roads and the runways so when he told these stories about like they were out of food like they were out of food um they were like suffering and it wasn't you couldn't come back it wasn't like a tour of duty they would do multiple tours of duties because they um that's how it was. They were literally out of men who were fighting age. Yeah. So he told this one, I'll tell a nice story, but he, it, one of the things was he was conflicted about stuff that happened over there. He opened up about that. Um, and he also told an amazing story because, you know, they hadn't had regular food. He had a photo of his platoon, I guess it was. It was like this long, all these guys. By the end, it was this many guys.
It was like 12 guys had survived. But he told this beautiful story when they got back to Los Angeles. They were literally just had trains heading to the east and to the Midwest. And, and these poor guys, because they'd never heard anything or even thought about something like this. But the trains would go through farm country and the trains would stop and the farmers would just come out with eggs and butter and milk. And the guys were just, they were just drinking because it had been so horrible for them. Sorry, I didn't cry. That's okay. But um, Listen, I, that's the point of this show. I think yeah, it's important I, to I, shed light on the fact that this is why I made the podcast. I think that a lot of times comedians are the funny guys, the entertainers, the people that keep the show going. And yeah. usually we're the most affected by what's happening. We're the sensitive yeah. ones. In the we world. are the sensitive ones. And I don't know what gave you the impression that it was okay to cry on my show, <laughs> but... Um, it was the box edition. If you could roll that the fuck back, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> love you. I love you too. Listen to me. This is the whole point. It's well, 2023. People it need me, this. It gave me a deeper view of who he was. There was things about him. Like he was a he was a tough guy. And yeah. he could be incredibly cruel. I mean like incredibly cruel. But you know, in his work area in the in our tiny little garage, he would take mother of pearl and make jewelry out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he took a piece of wood one time. He had found a piece of wood, cut it, carved it, lacquered it, put a hole in it, took a, because uh, we did landscaping on the weekends when he wasn't working at the plant. He had found a, a branch which had a nest on it. So now he had this piece of beautiful lacquered wood with this branch holding a nest. I'm thinking like, Listen, that's what's so this crazy. This guy? You did this? You know? And he's, yeah. just, he's the same guy. I left my, we had like a tiny little row home, and he would pull his truck in backwards. I'd left my bike in the driveway. He ran it over, mangled it. And he said, that'll show you. And that was the cruelty. He, he could be incredibly cruel. Not that what him telling me his story um forgives any of that but it gave me a deeper there's it's just frustrated therapy would have done him a lot Uh, listen i had my father on this show um on the father's day episode and i've been very transparent with my relationship with my parents and i don't have a relationship with my mother as i get older though it's very important to me that i do at least what i can to understand that our parents are still human beings. Oh, yeah. Having yeah. a very human experience. And one thing that I learned from my father as well, and I'm grateful that I continue to get the time that I do now with him after so many years of not speaking is, you know, he did the best he could. Right. He had That's... a lot of shit. Right. And he didn't know how to fix it. And I'm grateful that I've had the opportunities to try different things in my life to help with my own trauma, my own dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they can be cruel and they can really affect us. And then you finally get that moment, God willing, where they're like, you know, I did my best. So I'm happy you got that with your father. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I did a lot. I did 25 years of therapy and uh, all different types of modalities. And, uh, but, you know, Louise Hay was a huge Love influence on me. Her tapes and CDs were probably more impactful than so many things because I could listen to him over and over again. But she said something once, we're all victims of victims. And mm. unless that lineage is broken, then it, it just goes on forever. And the crap from one generation piles up on the next generation, on the next generation. And then you just, you know, you're, you're dealing with so many things. I've just tried to, my very first wife was a therapist who really helped me get a lot of direction, you know, get the right direction for better, better mental health, especially right. with issues with depression and, and things like that. Yeah. You know? you know, I think that's why grandparents are always so special as well, for the most part. But I will say, although I didn't have a relationship with my mother, I did with my grandmother. And I think it's because the kind of mother that she was, she learned from and was able to show up as a grandma in her yeah. much older age. She knew what worked and, and what didn't work. And so... Um, I always think that that's such an interesting um, thing as well. Like the older they get, they really do, 
I think just get a little softer. Now let's fast forward a little bit to better days where <laughs> Jesus Christ, bring the showdown, John. Bring the fucking showdown. Um <laughs> It'll be comedy from here on out, I promise. All yeah. jokes. Folks. Also, please know that this is our relationship and I'll cry with you. If well, I gosh, don't that's you and listen me. to me. Like if we're crying and we're laughing. If you don't stop crying, these lashes will come off on me. <laughs> the spray tan will move itself. Okay, like I can't do it. <sighs> Oh my God. I will start crying at the. It takes nothing for me to cry. Um, oh, I, I cried Hallmark commercials. Sob. I love crying at Hallmark commercials. I love. You know what I? What's gets me now? You know what gets me? The scene from Up where you see the whole relationship and that thing. I mean, like I'm just. It's a Let's cartoon. Talk about these children's movies. These are drawings. Let's talk about Encanto and Moana. That shit will take me out oh too. I watch God. these movies with my niece, and I'm like, is this for a seven-year-old? Or tell us, Amber. Oh my so that God! What kind of that fucking lesson is sequence. that? It's like yeah. the first start, it's oh. like you see the relationship grow, and then she dies, and I'm like, yeah. Oh. yeah. But all these wonderful moments. And then, now, you yeah. know what it gave me trauma? That my fiance Lisa's going to die. Every day I'm like, Lisa, don't die. Don't leave me. Sick. Sick. Um, I know. I, the reels get me know that though now too. Reels? Like, I don't know what's wrong with my algorithm, but I'm on the dogs page mm -hmm. where like the dogs see their owners. Oh. And they like, and I'm so not this bitch. I'm right. a hard bitch. Right. And I'm not anymore because these stupid dogs are like, they see their owner. Or like they get a home after not being adopted for 365 days. Bye, bitch. I'm like, <laughs> Rover got a home, Lisa. Rover got a home. Oh my God. <laughs> but I love it. I need it. I, the world is dark, so I need yeah, all that you good need extra that stuff. Sometimes you need like an emotional jumpstart for your emotions. <laughs> an emotional you know animal. I mean? Yeah, like something that kind of brings you back. Well, I think that's what was so special about our run in the pandemic. The world was so dark. And, and I people think... were so thankful. Remember I show you these yeah. comments? Like, thank you so much. It's, I'm over here in Australia. I'm in Ireland. I'm in Boise, Idaho. And, and things are just terrible. And I love when the new one pops up. It's so funny. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's so gratifying. It was so gratifying. And especially in the state that I was in, I was not in a good state mentally. And you really showed up for me that year, as you have always done. I was in such a dark place. And to have the ability to just hop in front of the camera for a couple hours a day and sort of forget what was happening in my personal right. world and make all of these people laugh. I mean, that is the power of comedy and right. that is the comedy tragedy of it all. And I'm so grateful that we experienced this. I definitely, I don't know if I can tell this story. So give me a wink if I can't. And you know what story I want to tell? Yeah, I don't want that out floating Okay, I won't around. tell that story. There was a mistake made by me and I paid for it. Uh huh. There was a bit. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. I won't tell. I won't tell. What if I don't say what it what it was? Just the the. What if I don't say where the destination? What if I just say what happened? We were gonna film, but then you couldn't. Right. Couldn't because because I ingested something I shouldn't have ingested. Uh huh. I was trying to do. I don't know how to talk around this, so maybe I'll just <laughs> stop talking about it. But I, my favorite moments have been with you and they were insane moments yeah. and you've really rolled with it all. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I think all the stuff that we go through as performers, it's, it's two things. It, it makes us stronger. It really does make us stronger because if you can learn from it, you know, I, I, I went through a horrible um, divorce and it, and it's depleting you know what I mean? When you're going through those emotional things and you have to go on stage, for me, I'm never like, I have to go on stage. It's like, I have to go on stage. I can literally disconnect from yeah. my stuff yeah. and be able to like, oh my God, this is so great. For three hours, I'm not me, you know, to perform and, and to give that energy and to get that energy from an audience is just so amazing. Yeah, you know, because... the audience plays a big part. I also think it plays a big part if they're not into you because right. the rejection feels almost as personal as the gratification. Oh my God. Because if they don't like you, they don't like 
you. Yeah. Well, it's not like if you're a nurse and they don't like how you injected <laughs> the fucking Botox. You're the worst phlebotomist uh, I've no. ever had. Do you like how also I equated nursing to Botox? Not that they save lives. I was like, you know, when those nurses put that Botox in, honey, woo! Well, it's so funny because when I used to do stand-up, I clearly remember this. I was in Pittsburgh. Well, well this happened more than once, but I used to do a lot of stand-up, and I'd come out for the 8 o'clock show on a Friday, and I'd kill. I'd kill. 10 o'clock show. They hate me. And I'm thinking, what did I... Same show. Same show. But audiences have a group think, which I learned with stand-up audiences. And they judge you super fast. I mean, the second before you're on stage. And one of the things is, as... as, um, you know, as a stand-up, and I'm, you know, I don't work as a stand-up now, but I'm still a performer. I still go on stage. But you need to be in character. And I do this now. I pray and I connect and I send white light. And, I, you know, it all sounds very, you know, yeah, sensitive, really sensitive new age guy. But this is the, my process. We love it. Um, but I'm, I'm Trump a long time before I get on stage. So I'm going to walk on stage totally in I'm on the steps up. It doesn't matter. And that's what I learned in stand-up. You better be you. Don't go out there and judge the audience and don't let them judge you. You be fully in your power. You know, it was one of the things that I, I, because I'm funny. I just killed at the eight o'clock show. Hey, that's really, and then to like get that, I was like, oh, and because everything's a lesson. And it's always, we're always learning. We're always growing. We're always refining. It never ends. It's, um, it's a Japanese term called Kazan. It's the, it's the lifelong practice of always improving. You're never, it's never a Listen, one and done. That's the best advice I think that you could give. And it's the only thing that gets me through performing and mm. performing live because right. I've fucking bombed. I bombed recently. Really? I bombed recently. And I was like, uh, it never gets better. I will say also, it never feels better the older you get. A bomb oh, is a bomb. Oh, is a- I went home and I was like, I suck. I had a meltdown. It's like a whole thing. And then I was like, all right, bitch, well, how do we fix it? And then thank God that happened. Thank God the incident happened that did because I picked it up. I fixed it. And it ended up being like this winning attribute at my next gig. Right. And I think that if you can, like you said, take the bomb or take the fuck up, or take the, it didn't work this time, and then go, okay, how do I respin it? It comes in later at right. the next thing, and it's the thing that kills. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the thing that, it's the thing that kills. Lead with your weakness in that sense. Pre, not on stage. Right, right. <laughs> you know, learn, learn, learn from it. But I have to tell you a quick story. I did a bunch of shows, that, and they were all happened to be Trump for corporate audiences. And then I had a group of 10 executives, 10 CEOs. It was at a retreat. And I actually did it the year before, and it went really, really well. But this year, they moved me to another room at this lodge that one of the guys owns. And I, I got on stage to rehearse, and I said, there's no light on me. I'm literally in the, you know, on stage in the dark. All the seating, all the chairs had lighting. And the guy said, yeah, usually we use this for daytime stuff, but we wanted to use it for you tonight. And I said, are there any lights? I mean, I'll take work lights. I just need something on my face. So I go back to my room, get into Trump, I'm already have my script, marking it up, walk down, and I'm walk. I'm get to where they're about to, you know, bring me in and play the music. And I said, "You get me lights." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the lights from the carving station, the heat lamps, the heat lamps." John, I get on stage. John, and there's John, four heat lamps coming up to me. I look like the movie Frankenstein because I'm being lit from the bottom, but they're hot. I mean, they're really hot. They're from the carving station. Oh so within God. seconds, I am su- I'm sweating as Trump. It's a- and I say, can we turn these fucking lamps off? <laughs> I said, it's a little hot up here. It's a little hot. And and we we shut up. But I'm thinking like, I've been the I have been a professional performer since 1986. There are days when you feel like you're just like, Step can I get up? Fucking break. Wait, and this not was, this that carving lamps. Heat lamps. 
heat rash. I have photos. And you're in full makeup, full makeup, wig, everything. And this is this summer, and it's been crazy. It was, and then I go, then I go to a show in Chicago, and it goes great, and it kills. But the thing was, that particular show, other than the heat lamps, um, it was just ten guys. I was doing comedy. I was doing stand up. Trump stand up for 10 guys. Yeah. And the agent, not my agent, but the other agent who got it, went to my agent and brought me in, was there. And it, it went fine, but it wasn't the guffaw laughs I was hoping for, which I got in the year before. And it was one of these things where you can never, like I killed last year, every booking, even for the same people, is different. Yeah. You know, and it, it didn't go that well. And I was bummed because that agent was there. But, you know, it was 10 people. Like, I, I can only do so much. There's all, you can only do performer. so much. Yeah. So you want to keep that. You always, because when you're performing, you're always like, well, the agent's here. My client's here. This is that. And you can get in your head about that Well, stuff. you know what's funny, too? Uh, somebody that I love very much, I know, is going to be watching this episode. And she's a very prominent woman in the in the Jewish world. Mm. And she... Love the Jews. Love the Jews. Love I know my dad's Jews. Jewish. My mom's Italian. A real pizza bagel, um, and she, uh, with the way that she runs things, she decided to put on a really fabulous event that ended up. I guess some people weren't really into it, mm -hmm. and it's a very long story, and it's not my story. Uh, I say that to say that I think a lot of strong leaders comedians, people that are actively trying different things to see what works, to really create and and just make things happen are going to run into things that sometimes didn't work like we thought yeah. it was going to, even when it fucking should have worked. Right. And I think I would follow anybody that has bombed a million times or tried something that maybe didn't work like they thought it was or took a lot of slack for some shit they tried. I'd follow them anywhere because at least you're taking those fucking yeah. risks. At least yeah. you're still alive. You know, it's like it goes by fast. Yeah, it does. And I it's I, cool. I, yeah, I um this is I'm not going to say this comedian's name. There's a very well-known comedian who's had who's had multiple series network series. I've been in I've worked with him twice. I've followed him twice. He's bombed. I mean bombed twice and I've come in after um, I wasn't the head. I was doing Trump, so I was not the headliner technically, but I was following him and it was just like I can't it, it happens to the best. And yeah, he, and he now, he now has a brand new series. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, he keeps working. But that's because, <laughs> literally, that's what it is, though. Yeah. I feel like, like, you could do all the things that you know, you know, will work. But I, uh, you just got to fucking, it really is that. It's yeah, like, it's and go, that's why I go, love comedians. You just, you bomb, you bomb, you bomb. And you, you get learn. one win. Yeah. And then you bomb, you bomb, you bomb. And I love that. Um, You do Trump. Did it, Trump. Yep. Do, you do, 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 Trump. I want you to do a few of your impressions for us, though. I want well, you to give us, like, right on, baby. So that's Austin Powers, baby. Yeah. Of course, she's Wayne from... Hi, excellent. Hi, I'm Wayne Campbell from Aurora, Illinois. Excellent. Schwing. <laughs> and, of course, Dr. Evil. Yeah. You know, Michaela, you're just not evil enough. You're quasi-evil. You're semi-evil. You're the Diet Coke of evil. Just one calorie. Um, oh, Col Columbo is one of my favorites because I get to do the eye. <laughs> Folks, I hate to bother you. I'm a little confused. Just please, great. Give me a Dr. Phil. Hey, everybody. It's me, Dr. Phil. And today <laughs> is going to be a changing day in your life. And as a relationship thing, don't forget, it doesn't matter how flat you make a pancake, it's got two <laughs> sides. Okay? <laughs> And Dr. Far, Phil, yeah. I, now, you know what? Actually, this is great that you're here, Dr. Okay. Phil. Okay, it's great to be on your show, Michaela. I want you to start living your life as a lesbian woman. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I thank you for the validation. Absolutely. Now, this okay. show is for a lot of people that need therapy. Maybe mm. they just can't afford it. Right. Uh, what advice do you have for people that are going through a tough time, maybe have some trauma? This is such a great question. This 
this is my this is my pocket right here. <laughs> Listen, if you're going through a tough time, keep this in mind. You can put a kimono on a squirrel, but it still won't speak Japanese. Okay. <laughs> That's the best advice. Thank you okay. so much, Dr. Keep Phil. Keep doing the same things, and you'll get the same results. Yes, you will. Yes. The oh. best indicator of future behavior is current behavior. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Phil. Right. How's Robin? Well, she's good, but I want to talk about my new book. Oh. It's called I'm Okay, You're a Fucking Mess. It's on sale. <laughs> And how about my diet book? Do I have a lot of nerve to be writing a diet book? No, he didn't write a diet book. <laughs> he wrote a diet book. No, he book. didn't. Oh, yeah. I that own little it. fat fuck wrote a diet book. <laughs> I own it. I own that book. It's the funniest thing ever. Okay, That's great. like me on how to grow hair. I'm writing a book on how to grow hair. So I don't have any. Listen to me. I swear to God, speaking of hair, I've got so much hair. I started, And I started taking those... Um, I, but when I was Melania, I burnt all my hair off. Remember that? Because going oh, I remember, lodge yes, was yes, awful. Yes. You're like, yeah, I remember. You look like a fucking mushroom. Uh, I you started taking hair. now, but I had to start taking the biotin. The biotin. Yeah. Tell me why it grew everywhere on my body, my mustache, my legs, <laughs> except the fucking my head on my hair. Three years for this. Three years, we're back. And now I think I, that's true. I got, listen to how shit sick this is. I got laser hair removal uh, and the fucking biotin squirted through the laser hair removal. The hair was like, I'm still coming, bitch. Back at you. Yeah. And I was like. It's like, it's like alien. Yeah, it did. Oh, that's hilarious. Not this. That's hilarious. But my legs, more than enough hair. Oh, that's um, so funny. I, I, I got to do Guy Fieri for you, baby. <laughs> I'm driving the bus to Flavortown, baby. Yeah. Love, <laughs> peace, and taco grease. <laughs> Listen, I kind of want to do Melania with you again. You think Trump's no, coming back? I, Should we bring it back? Well, he's not. he's never gone away. Right, true. You know, she's kind of disappeared. But I, I th yeah, I think people really love it and i think it's a pressure valve valve for people to be able to you know like half the countries well, i don't know the number but half the countries with trump half the countries not with trump but then again half the country believes in ghosts you know what i mean in horoscopes so it's like you know what what to believe and all right can i talk to trump for a minute yes absolutely it's so great to be on your show here and uh so funny it hurts so yeah it is it hurts. it's so funny it hurts trump um, and by the way this is going to be your most viewed episode ever the 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 reels and the the YouTubes and the Googles, the numbers are going to be off the charts. Yeah, they, numbers and I are think off it's, the charts. It's because you're here, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm everywhere. I'm pretty much everywhere mm -hmm. at this point. It's so great to see you, but you look fantastic. You Thank do such you. a great job. Thank you so much, Trump. Mm, right. Uh huh. You <laughs> you uh, you've been back in the news lately. People think you're going to run for president again. Well, I'm already running. I don't know if you're. Oh, you're up I'm on that. sorry. You know, but I am everyone's favorite felon right now. That's important. Oh, yeah. Thrice indicted, <laughs> twice divorced. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Speaking of uh, ghosts, right. the White House came out to talk about the UFOs. Right, 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 right. And right. and maybe there are are aliens. Do you think that? Oh, the there's aliens definitely aliens. What do you think AI is? All this AI stuff is alien intelligence. Alien oh. intelligence. Oh, it's alien intelligence. A AI. It, it writes things for you. Okay. It practically knows what you're... That's 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 the aliens. That's yeah. the aliens. Do you think that you're big in the alien community? I'm huge in the alien community. They love me. They absolutely love me. Look, I went to India. India. You know India, right? Yeah. The India, the country. Great people. Fantastic people. <laughs> I spoke at a cricket stadium. They have a stadium devoted to crickets. Oh. I don't know why. I don't know why, but 100,000 people. Please, Dr. Curry. But it was 100,000 people, and they love me. It's, they have 1 billion people in India. 1 wow. billion people. How many aliens are there? What, 10, 15? So they obviously love me, just statistically. Yeah. Just statistically, they love me. You're absolutely... Great people, tremendous people, hardworking people. Yeah, they are. They mm. are. And how do you feel about Biden? Who? Okay. Mm -hmm. Sleepy Joe. You yeah. know, he's walking around the White House right now. Hey, where am I? Where am I? Malarkey. Yeah, Sarsaparilla. Wells Fargo. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs>
That's that's what you get. You know he's a hundred. You know he fought in the war of eighteen twelve. No. no one talks about that. <laughs> No one talks about that. He is so old, the White House is not buying green bananas anymore. They're just buying the ripe ones because he could go at any time. I mean, he is so old, they discontinued his blood type. Did you know that? Did you know that? You can't get his blood. You can't get, you get plenty of my blood. I have it in a vault. Oh, but you I have, have like universal blood. I have universal, I have Trump blood. I have Trump, because oh. my, my, my uncle, John Trump, he taught at MIT for 40 years. Look it up. Okay. He was a super genius. I'm a stable genius. He's a super genius. <laughs> and my blood is his blood. And his blood is my blood. And this land is your land. It was made for you and me. Mainly me. Mainly me, because I'm so rich. I'm so rich. I'm so smart. John, you're so fucking crazy. <laughs> Do you think that... I mean, it's crazy how you can be so political and get away with it. But there's very little politics. Do you know what I, I mean? I mean, there are. There's there really there are. There are in some of the things. But there's very... I don't... You know, one of the first albums, when I was 12 years old, I bought an album called... Because I loved Impressions. And in Ambler, I grew up, there's Ambler Books... Uh, record store. Record store. And I walked in, and I could hear Nixon. And I could hear someone talking to Nixon. And I was like... I said, okay, what is this? He goes, oh, it's an album by David Fry. And I'd actually seen David Fry on some TV shows. And I, I said, what is it? He goes, it's, it's the album's called Nixon, A Four-Year Fantasy, which you can find on YouTube, which is great. And basically, it's post-Nixon being after he left. the. Um, the actually, he was still in. But it's a narratively structured album. It's a beginning and end. It's not just random comedy bits. And it's Trump- um, Trump. It's Nixon meeting the Godfather and trying to get out of the Watergate mess and all of the different storylines to the very end where he wakes up and it's all just been a bad dream because he, he ends up going to court. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Ends up, he, goes to, he goes to jail. He does the Folsom City Blues. I hear that plane a coming. Uh, Must be Air Force One. And, and what that he did 40 voices on that album. And the other person who did the remaining voices was Gabe Kaplan. And within a few years, Gabe Kaplan got Welcome Back, Cotter. And it was one of these things where you, I know you and Sarah, and but it, w it was the first time I could see, like, oh, wait a minute. There's a connective universe of comedians. Right. You know, like, right. they're, they're really, like, interconnected. For the most part, they're interconnected. Like, if I don't know somebody, you probably know them and connected, connect me with well, them. Well, the, the comedy world's small. I yeah. mean, it's big, but it's small. Well, it's big now because of YouTube. People who've never performed in front of a live audience are calling themselves comedians. It's yeah. like, okay you're, you're, okay, you're doing well and you're getting numbers, but please get in front of a live audience. See if your stuff translates. Totally. Take someone like Bo Burnham, who's just absolutely, like his inside Netflix thing was just brilliant. And it was very deep and very emotional, but absolutely hilarious. And then he gets in front of a live audience and he kills he just kills. He knows he, and he also wrote a, a screenplay. He, you know, certain people, you actually move between a lot of different genres of entertainment. You're a singer, you're a comedian. It's just as I like attention. Well, yeah, but, you, but a lot of people like attention. You do it so well. You know, you know how to modulate yourself in different things. You know how to modulate yourself on stage and on camera, which is that, you know, I don't think you've had training for that, have Thank you? Because you. No, you just well, seem to know it. You seem to know things like intrinsically. You know how to like play a room. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about changing schools. You, you must have quickly assessed. Yeah, it was like a little chameleon. Yeah. But, and you know what's so funny? It's such a, it was so not something I was, Thank you for saying that. Yeah, because but that's growing a gift. Up, like able to like go in and go. These guys are a bunch of jerks. I better play cool first, then come. You know what I mean? Or well, uh, I appreciate that. My mom. It was something that she used to use as an insult that actually affected me for a long time. She used to go, "Oh, you're so fake. Oh, you're so fake. Really? Oh, yeah." She was really that Your was like mother a said that to Yeah, you? listen, why do you think I have a whole fucking Jeez. podcast about trauma? Okay, that bitch. My dad called me a moron. <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, look, I, I, uh, we all have our trauma, oh, but she do. would say that and I would feel so fake and I'd feel really embarrassed and I would feel, um, I, ca I carried a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. I felt very stupid a lot of my life right? while also internally having this little piece of me that was like, you're not, 
you're not, you know what you're right. doing. It's okay. And then I think when I finally got old enough, I was like, I, I'm not fucking fake. I just not. know yeah. how to go into a room and I can be comfortable yeah. anywhere and make others. I say that though, because it goes, first of all, thank you for that compliment. And then also going back to bombing, like it's just a lot of experience yeah. in a lot of different places, seeing how a lot of things worked in different work and then didn't work so that you could be like, okay, I, I live in this area now. Yeah, you, you live know, in it's the, just like a lot of trying. But you just, you know, you said something interesting. You, I'm not, you know, you said you're not fake. I am funny. I am the, sometimes we, our internal voices, which have been buried with insults and horrible things like that. When you pull them all off, it's like, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I and I want to follow what I'm hearing in my heart. There's a drum beat that I want to hear. And I think people like Jamie Kennedy that you've had on and Michael Yo and all these people, these people have, they're following their own drum beat. And, and if we, you know, cause we're not cubicle people, not that that's a bad thing. Everyone, you know, but yeah. you're putting a lot out there to be a performer. You're risking a lot. You know what I mean? There's a certain point and there's been so many great movies where, you know, you have, you have actors who are like 60 going, if I get out of this now, what can I do? Nothing. You know what I mean? Like you've devoted your life to something, every performer. Yeah. So we've risked everything for every day to go out there and perform. It's not like we can change at a certain point and do something else. There's nothing. There's, yeah, nothing, there's nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a good lesson for everybody. Like, I, I think that we all innately know what we're doing. Like, right, I, but we've arrived at that point. We were shit on pretty hard. Yeah. You know, and you, when you get to that, when you get to that place where it's like, I know what I'm doing. But also <laughs> it's the, 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 the simple thing of like, I'm not going to take advice or criticism from people I don't respect. Right. And I don't respect a lot of people because I don't think that they... Check the comments out <laughs> on YouTube. That You know what I mean? I always feel yeah, like writing well, about, it's very Bob, easy. are you in show business? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's <laughs> then very shut easy. the fuck up. Yeah, it's very easy <laughs> to say, like, I, I wouldn't have done that. Well, then fucking do it, bitch. Right. Do it how you would. Okay? Because yeah. I did it. Whether it was good or not. Yeah, I was there. I'm in... I'm playing... Yeah, I'm not sitting on the sidelines. Right. I'm in the fucking game, bitch. Right. And I'm going to get hit because of it a few times because I'm in the game. You're catching fucking pop balls. Okay. Like, yeah. and I, I think that that's wherever you're at in your life or whatever gig you have, or just raising a family, being a parent, yeah, I, all those things, you, you know? know, I mean, obviously we're here as performers, but yeah, everything in anybody who's successful, I think has come to a point where they've, um, where you have to be part of the component of what you're doing. Either you're a salesperson or you're, the, if you're, you know, you're making widgets. My dad made nuts and bolts, literally made nuts and bolts on a, on a press for 35 years. But there's certain things where it demands more of you. We are our product. So it's very easy to get dented and dinged in the process of putting our product out. Yeah. So for, you know, for me, I've, I, 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 it's still, you know, it's hard criticism's hard and sometimes the criticism is so well written and so well put mm -hmm. it's a it's constructive criticism you know what i mean i was always told when i first started acting and training and acting they said if you two simple things if you can see the audience because we all love to see the audience yeah if you can see the audience they, they can, can see, see you. you and the second thing was which sounds incredibly simple but it's the truth that's a thing in life too. The other thing was, if you're gonna like swim in the positive reviews, well, then you better take the negative reviews the same way. Yeah, yeah. Because one's just affirmation, affirmation, and one is just like. And I and it's I never took that particular advice because I love reading the positives. <laughs> okay, but listen, at, with all the things you've done in your life, all the criticism, <sighs> whatever. Oh, do you? How do you take? Uh, how do you take the criticism now? Like for somebody that's watching this, maybe new to the game, mm -hmm. uh, the criticism is fucking an asshole. Well, it, you know, it's really funny because um, two things. A lot of the criticism, criticism I get for Trump is very partisan. And I can tell. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier when somebody says, I love Trump. 
this is really funny. Because I'm coming from a place of, of it's irreverent, it's satire. I'm not changing anybody's mind. I don't have a political agenda. I'm not trying to. It's just funny. And by the way, I've been doing this character since 2004. Yeah, for people that don't know, this was not like a character that you started doing in 2016. It was always part of your... 2004, where most people, people who voted for Trump and follow Trump and all that stuff, they didn't even know who he was. You know what I mean? So it goes pretty far back. And mine is just strictly satirical. I remember, though, this is years ago. One of the early videos I put up on YouTube was Ozzy Osbourne. I was going, you know, it's going on, man. You know, Sharon! <laughs> and the dog booed on the carpet again, man. You know? <laughs> and I, th- there were a response. Well, I'd never experienced anything like it. It was like so mean, so nasty. It was like, what? But they are fans of Ozzy. They love Ozzy. So I think criticism today, criticism years ago was the reviewer in the New York Times or the Chicago Tribune or something. When you're getting instant reviews on your work, I think now you have to you have to figure out where they're coming from. You have to, um, what's the context of the criticism? If this person is a partisan person or loves Ozzy or whatever it is, then it's different. It's not, you know, criticisms, criticism's hard to take in the best situations, but when it's just like, you fucking suck without any context. Yeah, you know, yeah. Okay, thanks for watching my video and helping my algorithm. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. I know. I don't take it as hard as I used to. I find a lot of it funny. And I really do thank people who write that stuff. And I post it. Yeah. Even the really vicious stuff. Because it's, if I can, and I know it sounds crazy, but with all the stuff I've been through, even if someone's mean and nasty, if I can come from a place of gratitude, hey, well, thank you for at least, did you at least get a laugh? Thanks for watching. You're so nice. Well, because sometimes it diffuses the people and yeah. they write back and go, actually, it was kind of Listen, fun. it's okay. I posted a, a video of my comedian last week, Chaterina, who was amazing, mm-hmm. and he shared it on his page, um, like a collab. And a lot of the male viewers, by the way, said, <laughs> when it closes up on my face, they go, what, that girl gets stung by a bee oh, on my lips. lips? And then they go, what, is she bloated? Why does her face look like that? And then I was like, at first I was like, fuck, did I go a little hard on the Jupiter this time? <laughs> and then I was like, but that is all I've got. My cheekbones are real. My nose is real. The rest of my face is real. It just went a little hard on the overlining of the Juvederm lips. And then I was like, all right, well, should I take it down? And then I was like, no, bitch, you just own it. And I like it. I do want to look like I got a little stung. And you know what? These lesbian lips would never kiss those heterosexual men ever. So don't worry about <laughs> well, it. Me. But there was a mo- well, I'd kiss you. But it's like it kind of like, I was like, fuck, did I go hard? And then I was like, whatever, they're going to say, did you like the fucking alien banter or not? And right. then they did. And I was like, okay, th- that's all you need that's to all you say, need. my yeah. guy. You know what's funny? Out of all the criticisms when people say, this guy's fatter than the real Trump. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> It's because you got the Dr. <laughs> Phil diet book. <laughs> so you're taking the wrong advice, my guy. <laughs> all fried food. It's all fried food. You know. Yeah. I always, that's the one thing that always gets me. This guy, he's funny, but he's really fat. <laughs> okay. Fucking okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'll lose some weight. Yeah. I thought we were body shaming in 2023, you fucks. <laughs> Listen, Lizzo ruined everything, though. That banana talk better get out of here. They're never going to respect us body non-shamers again. That's right. We're too nice. We're too nice. We're too, nice. We're too we're good too, at people. We're too empathetic. <laughs> we're too giving. Yeah, right. We're too, Speaking of giving, we're I think ADHD. we're... ADHD. Right, that's what it is. I think oh. we're going to give back Melania um, and Trump soon. Oh, yes. You think we'll so? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. People were asking for it on... Um, I reposted we'll the Barbie it thing. Again. It was so... Pro- you did such a great version, a new version of her that I hadn't seen anywhere else, which I thought was great. Yeah. You know. Well, listen, I love you. I can't love wait you, to be darling. back on camera with you. Thank you for doing the show. Soon. Um, and thank you. I, I was- And I think the producer of this show produced some of our episodes of... Or helped us, right? No, I'm, I do it. I do the show, this show. 
Oh, I thought I thought I saw the uh, the attorney. Oh, our sponsor. Yeah, our we sponsor. shot it in his office. Okay, okay, yes, he does. Yeah. He does. He helped Chris, us out. I mean, that was a huge Chris help. at Pacific West Injury Law. We love you so much. Yeah, he did. Chris yeah. has been our writer. Hold on, put it on me. Put it on me. Put it on me. Put it on me. Oh, here, this one. Chris, thank you so much. One of the, the first episode was hilarious, and that was shot at your office. We appreciate you being in it. He's in the first episode. Of, and he looked hot. He looked good. Ladies, yeah. Chris is hot. Ladies. And he's a lawyer. Okay, now say thank you to Chris's Trump. Well, Chris, you did a fantastic job as your favorite <laughs> client. I just want to say thank you for cutting such a tremendous deal. I'm not going to pay you because I don't pay <laughs> any of my attorneys, but you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I shouldn't have been an attorney. You know that, Melania. Yeah, I should have been an no, attorney. No, you shouldn't have. So, you so have so a much. lot of law trouble, but you are no lawyer. <laughs> Chris, I miss you if you want to see me sometime. Call Just me, Chris. You've got my private number. You know, 1-800-TRUMP. <laughs> Come down to Mar-a-Lago. He golfs, right? He golfs as he golfs. He's a big golfer. Have a great time. Yeah. Chris, we love you. Pacific West Injury Law, we love you. Johnny, I love you. I can't wait to do our, our show again now that we're back in Vegas. Yeah. Thank you for everything. I'm so proud of you. I want to be your Gomez. I want to be... I wa we should My be Gomez? Yes. Yeah, say less. I'll be your Gomez. Say less. <laughs> yes. Well, with the Biotin, I'll be Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare over here. I love you. Let's do it for love Halloween. You, yes. Bye. So Funny It Hurts is brought to you by Pacific West Injury Law. Got into an accident? Contact Pacific West Injury Law. Also, there's nothing better for your mental health than a great workout. And our episode is brought to you by Fit Club, the only place to be. It's so funny, it hurts.